This morning we're going to be reading Ephesians 1, 1 through 14. Paul, an apostle of Christ Jesus, by the will of God, to the saints who are in Ephesus and are faithful in Christ Jesus, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, even as he chose us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in, the beloved. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will, according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ, as a plan for the fullness of time, to unite all things in him, things in heaven and things on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined, according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will, so that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him, you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we acquire possession of it, to the praise of his glory. You may be Hello, hello. Sorry, everything's good. Earth, Earth to the Major Dan. <laughs> okay, we're good? All right. Sometimes these watches give up the ghost. So check, check. Okay. I'll stand really still. Welcome. I guess uh, I'll, I could just go with the other mic. Yeah, I'll just turn this off. The, the, I, I have a big enough voice that I can use, go without the mic. Uh, I've done that uh, many times. But uh, we also videotape uh, this uh, isn't it, see now there there you go, videotape. <laughs> I'm sorry, you know I'm old school. There, there's no tape involved. There's no tape. It goes on this funny little thing. And um, anyway, all that to say, we we make a we make a video of this and we use it on local uh, cable television for Monterey County, and also it goes on the web and goes into YouTube, and it gets ignored by. Millions of people. 
Uh, so <laughs> like I get super excited if one of my videos, it has eight views. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> then I go look at some false teacher, like 250,000 views. Ah! <laughs> uh, so anyway, um, let it. Let's, we're, we're working in Ephesians 1, which happens to be uh, one of my favorite passages in, in the Holy Bible. Something um, Cody said, just, just about being an atheist and then coming to faith, reminded me of, of Hebrews 11. Hebrews 11 uh, is, we call it the Hall of Faith. And let me get, there we go, it's right here. And it says this down in verse 6. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, And without faith it is impossible to please him, speaking of God, for whoever would draw near to God, just pause there for a moment. There's people, oh, I want God. I, I want, I need God, I want to draw near to God. Well, that's good. If you, if you would draw near to God, you must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Uh, so here's the issue. Does God exist? Now, the Bible has a lot of statements. Obviously, the Bible is the word of God. Uh, that's a statement of faith. It's God's word to us. And it says things about God that are provocative and interesting. And my point is, if we're going to be led by God to believe in God, let's, let's believe in God. So how do you find out who God is? How do you find out what is he like? What's his character? What are his attributes? Well, he's told us. It's his word to us. He's not waiting over in the corner like a, an actor saying, oh man, I, I, hope, I hope the author uh, describes me the way I want to be described and gives me a role that I really like. You know, God's not waiting for something outside of himself to define him. He has defined himself. He is who he is. And there's wonderful commands in Scripture, things, honestly, that are, these aren't options. The Bible's filled with commands. They're the, when you study the grammar of, of language, there's this tense called imperative. The imperative. And, and that means it's not an option, it's a command. People in uh, military uniforms understand that more than us civilians, right? But the Bible's filled with commands, and one of them is rejoice in the Lord whenever anything is going just the way you hoped it had gone. <laughs> no, I misquote. It's rejoice in the Lord. Tell me, when? Always. Always. How about this one? In everything give what? For this is the will of God. Now, I could go on. There's many of them. But just pause for a second and think, how does that make sense? Yeah. Rejoice in the Lord always and in everything give thanks as we come into the season of thanksgiving. Well, truthfully, the only way 
that works is if God is, as he describes himself to be, the Lord of heaven and earth. Um, and our passage that we've been working on for a few weeks centers around that whole uh, revelation of God's sovereignty. Who, who is, what is God compared to who I am? God is utterly different. He's holy, holy, holy. Thrice holy, that's from the Bible, the book of Isaiah. And, and the word holy means set apart, means different. Uh, to, he's holy other. He's, he's completely different than you and I. Uh, and he has revealed himself to us in language that we can understand. And so the, the commands like rejoice in the Lord always and in everything give thanks only really ultimately get fleshed out. They only really make sense if Ephesians 1 is true and, for example, getting to the nitty-gritty of verse 11, for example, in him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined. And here, see, this is the phrase that we should build our entire theology on at, at, at some basic level because it's so basic. According to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of the majority opinion, <laughs> the latest opinion poll. <laughs> no. There's, o there's, a, there's, there's only one person's opinion that matters in this. It's his will. And uh, see, the grammar of this verse is, is very, very important. I've pointed it out many times. It's kind of my life verse. I, I'll tell you a little story, I, and some of you already know where I'm going with this story. I used to quip, make a little joke, that, uh, you know, ha, 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 this verse, this verse, like, totally took over my heart and mind. Actually, it was after my first year of college. It's a long story, but I, I was translating Ephesians from Greek, uh, working over every single word. And uh, so I used to say, this, this is my life verse. In fact, I want it on my gravestone, right? I want it on my tombstone. And I literally, it was a quip. It was like, a, like I'm joking, ha, 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 ha. And then one Sunday, I said that. I probably said that a bunch of times. One Sunday, we had a, 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 a visiting family. And after church, they came to me. They said, Pastor, we want you to know that we put that verse on the graves marker of our child. <laughs> that took me up short. Now, no more joking about this. <laughs> this is serious business. I mean, can you at that level believe this verse? Does God exist as he has revealed himself or is he wringing his hands hoping we redefine him and make him an idol that we would rather worship. And unfortunately, so many pulpits are filled with idolatry when it comes to this issue because they can't 
deal with what God has actually said. So they have to redefine it and, and dumb it down or just plain old gloss over it, basically, or ignore it. And I'm not trying to make it bigger than it is, because, dear friends, how can you make this bigger? <laughs> There's nothing bigger. The grammar is important because it says, according to the purpose, it's like his pre predetermined plan. My, my dearest daughter, well, not my dearest daughter. I have four wonderful daughters. <laughs> They're all my dearest daughter. I didn't mean it that way. I get in trouble this time. <laughs> One of my awesome daughters okay, is graduating uh, in, the, in the spring from Cal Berkeley, uh, and her big degree is in uh, landscape architecture. And she's been a part of the school there, the School of Design. It's called Environmental Design. It is so awesome. I mean, it's really, really, really cool. And, and we got to visit her, you know, there in, in the, in the um, what do they call it? I don't know, lab or something. The studio where they make all the drawings and they have all these desks and they, they make these intricate drawings about, you know, every I don't know the exact scale, but really small scale, maybe quarter inch, maybe one foot, I don't know, of landscaping. You know, the, the hill's going to go exactly like this, and there's going to be a bench here just like this, and a tree here, tree there, tree there, right? Bridge over here, water feature here, et cetera, et cetera. Well, that's this idea here, the plan, the preset plan. According to the preset plan of, of him who works and... and I could preach on this the rest of my life because it's so amazing. It's a present participle, the one who is actively working, present tense, actively, ongoing. It's not the one who wound up the clock and stepped back and say, let's see how this thing goes. Brush your fingers, everybody. <laughs> uh, no, this is the one. Honestly, I don't understand this fully, but I'm just trying to preach what the word says. And that is that this is God. He is actively working. He's not separated from what we know as all reality. He's not. All reality is dependent on him for its very existence. The one word says, in him we live and move and have our being. We live and breathe and move and have our being in him. Anyway, so, so according to the purpose of him who works all things, and that's, again, the Greek word is ta panta, meaning the all. He works the all according to the counsel of his will, according to the set purpose of his will. So what am I saying? Well, this passage says, get to know God and begin to praise his glory. His glory. He's, he's so glorious. He's so amazing. Uh, power. Power uh, draws a certain amount of respect out of us, I think. It should, right? <laughs> I, I, I happily, once in a while, I mentioned this, I happily ride a motorcycle. Uh, it's got about 100 horsepower, 100 horsepower. And that's, and, and that's, a, that's a sort of a medium level, uh, you know. Some other people, Cole, for example, rides one with two-thirds more than my horsepower. We've never had a race. <laughs> But, but here's, honestly, listen to me carefully. You, if you're going to ride a motorcycle or if you're going to drive a car or whatever, you've got to respect the power. You, you have to have a sense of awe 
Like, I respect this. I have, to, I have to be watchful of this. I have to be careful of this. Have you ever had that experience where you're, the train's going by and you kind of stand close to it? Woof! The locomotive goes by, and it's thrilling, isn't it? I, I, I don't recommend this. <laughs> but I, what, what, what I'm saying is, what is this glory, this, this chorus in this passage, verse 6, to the praise of his glorious grace. And then in verse 12, Christ might be to the praise of his glory. And then verse 14, to the praise of his glory. We're, we are saved to praise his glory. That's why he saved you. So that you're, you're into how amazing God is. Look at uh, one of the theme verses of, of Ephesians, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. It says this, this is very famous words, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9. For by grace you have been saved through faith. And this is not your own doing, it is the gift of God. This is a gift from this glorious God that you're saved. You should be en enraptured. You know, when we sing hallelujah over and over again, it's not like, oh, hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. No, it's like, hallelujah. You know, God is amazing, this self-revealed God. It's a gift of God, not a result of works. See, that any, any religion, it's so tragic and so sad, a, a whole host of world religions... Uh, one example is Islam. They teach poor human beings that you're just a little, little broken, you're a little off, you're kind of almost there, and if you work just a little harder and you do these, you know, five things, you're going to be okay with God. It's up to you. And then at the end of the day, you would think, well, I could feel pretty good about myself then. I could boast, right? Because I earned the mercy of God. I was good enough to earn the mercy of God. Well, that has kind of a logical appeal to it. It does on a human level, but it's idolatry. Because <laughs> the Bible has revealed very clearly that none of us ever measure up. All we like sheep have gone astray. We've turned everyone to our own way. And the, the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. And it's so important about his glory. We don't rob the glory of God by saying, hey, I'm, I'm just a little bit off. I'm, I'm not really that bad. I didn't really need the infinite Lamb of God to die for me. I mean, come on. What did I ever do wrong? Have, have you seen my house? It's very neat. You could eat breakfast off of the bathroom floor. I got my life so... Together, this is a, an illustration not actually having anything to do with my life. <laughs> but I'm, what I'm saying is that we can get sort of self-confident that, hey, I'm really not that bad. And by the way, I'm a lot better than that guy over there, you know. And so we can boast. And we are, we're robbing the glory of God. We're not, we're not praising his glory at that point. We're praising me. Hey, look at me. I'm pretty good. I'm pretty good. I just want a little of his glory. It's a form of idolatry. 
not a result of works, so that no one may boast. Look at verse 10. This is Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10. For we are his workmanship. We're the production of a master builder. And ultimately, when we're saved and we're in heaven and all of this earth is behind us, all the glory goes to God. He made us. We are his workmanship. And the workmanship, the product, represents the ability and glory of the workman. You know, the thing itself doesn't say, you know, look at me, I'm an amazing piece of equipment. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm an amazing microphone. Look at me. No, it's like, wow, whoever made this, uh, they did a pretty good job. It's wireless. It goes back there. Uh, it's amazing. And, and it's a work, the producers, the engineers that get, deserve the, the praise, right? Well, we are his workmanship. He deserves the praise and the glory. We're saved to praise his glory, his ineffable beyondness, his, uh, his, his too bigness, too defineness, <laughs> too, too big for me to find grammatical ways to describe it. -ness. That's what glory is. It's like that. I've been describing it the last few weeks because it's a huge part of our passage. It's that, that, that soaring, that, that moment when you're watching a, a play or you're at a concert and suddenly it's sort of a timeless event. Like, you, you know what I mean? It's, it's like it, that's when it's good. That's when it's good. And that's, that's the uh, uh, experience of glory. So... Let's work through this a little bit uh, in our time remaining. I, I really just want to look specifically at verses uh, 12 and 13 today with that introduction. Uh, because it's interesting. Because as I said, this passage is very strong on the sovereignty of God. It's all about God's work, God's praise, God's glory. He did this. He chose us before the foundation of the world. We could ask, well, how are we saved? How are we saved? Well, uh, if you look at it, for I mean, this is just cherry picking, but verse 4, he chose us in him before the foundation of the world. That word chose is that we get our English word elect. We're the elect of God. We're, he's chosen us before he, and I, you know I love this, before the foundation of the world. So the Greek word is he, he threw it down. <laughs> That's how he creates. He just throws it down. <laughs> you know, so let's see your work, oh God. He threw down the universe. He threw down the world. And, but before he did that, he chose us in Christ. So he chose us before the foundation of the world. And, and then subsequent to that, you were born. <laughs> and subsequent to that, sometime after that, you hear the gospel. Here it is in verse 12 and 13. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth. So, so he chose us before he made anything. And then 
sometime after that you were actually physically born and then sometime after that you heard the word of truth and he calls it the gospel of your salvation and you believed see verse 13 in him you also when you heard the word of truth the gospel of your salvation and believed in him you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit Lord willing I'm planning to get into the Holy Spirit some more next week but so how does that work? W you know, it says we heard and we believed. It, th it sounds like something I do. It's a response to God's revelation. Uh, what is that? How does that mix, Nate? You just said God works everything, and yet I came and humanly I heard and I believed. So that's, isn't that what I did, you know? And I, I believe this is so important, and I'm, I'm, I pray, let me, in fact, I'm going to pray right now. Oh, Lord God, please uh, help us to understand this and help me to explain what I think is the way to understand this through your word. And Lord, we commit it to you that you would guide us in this most important truth. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, this is what I think is so important to understand about how does this work, the mix of God's work and human response, the mix. And I, I like to put it just this way. It's, it's kind of simple. And that is that God, God's work is through us. God does everything. All, the panta. He is actively working all things. But some of those things he does through secondary causes. You know, we have a part in his cause. So He's doing it, but he's doing it through our hearing, our believing, our coming to faith in Christ. He works his sovereign will that he designed before all time. And in, in us, our experience of it is we hear, we believe he works his will through us. Uh, a, a fine example of this, turn with me to Acts 13, 48. This is kind of a, just an interesting little expression of this exact principle that God, God's sovereignty actually shows up and works through our response to the gospel in this case. 1348, it says this, and when the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. And as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. See, that's the way the apostles viewed it. I, we've come into the town, we've preached the gospel, and they've heard, they, and they responded positively to it. When the, gospel, the Gentiles heard this, they began rejoicing and glorifying the word of the Lord. So the word of the Lord is what is preached, and they respond positively to it. And then he says, and as many as were appointed to eternal life, so as many as God chose before the foundation of the world, he elect, the elect of God, those are the ones who believed. God's sovereign work works through the choice of these human beings. He's working all things after the counsel of his own will. And I think this is taught super well uh, throughout Scripture, but I'd like you to turn with me to... a beautiful psalm. It's psalm number 127 because it's directly taught here. And again, this shouldn't be a surprise to any of you. 
Uh, you've been, some of you have been under my teaching a number of years, and you know that this is, uh, for me, a near and dear psalm. And I quote it uh, almost every day of my life. And I think it holds the key it, to this question. What is the mix of God's work and, and, hu and human work? Man's responsibility and, and God's work. So this is Psalm 127. Unless the Lord builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. See what he's saying there? Uh, you, you, you can go to Home Depot. You can buy a stack of two-by-fours. You can have a beautiful plan. You can, you can uh, lay the foundation, pour the footer, get the foundation, and build a house. But the Lord has to work through it, or it, it will never happen. It just will not happen. Every, every single, I mean, literally, I think this literally. Every structure is God's grace. And he's worked through those workmen to allow that structure to be built. Unless the Lord, Yahweh, builds the house, those who build it labor in vain. He has to build it. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the watchman stays awake in vain. No, notice, we have security. But unless the Lord uses that security, it's worthless. Uh, this is such a key to life, dear friends. To, uh, why, why does it say rejoice in the Lord always? Why does it say in everything give thanks? Because God is not separated from his creation. He's actively working through it and in it. And, and so we trust him. We hold tightly to him. Even when life seems chaotic and bizarre, we trust him through it. It is vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Verse 3, behold, children are a heritage from the Lord. If the Lord gives you children, it's what he's decided for you. It's a gift. No, no children is a mistake. No child, one of our uh, secretaries of Health and Human Services uh, under Bill Clinton one time said, uh, we want every child to be a, a planned and wanted child. I picked up on that phrase because <laughs> the Bible says every child is a planned and wanted child. She was using it as an argument for abortion, and that's a, you know exactly turning that whole idea on its head. No, uh, the children are a heritage from Yahweh. This God who is, he exists. You think human life happens by a random accident? It doesn't. Nothing happens by a random accident. You can't build a house without the Lord. You certainly can't build a child without the Lord. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them. He shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. Psalm 127. So, Again, this is a principle that I believe the scripture teaches that, yes, God is sovereign in all. And, yes, that includes a lot of things we don't understand. He's weaving a, an amazing tapestry. And sometimes he picks up the black yarn and weaves things into that tapestry that we do not understand, particularly when we're looking at the underside of it. You know, it, and we'll get a glimpse of the top. We'll get a glimpse of what God's been up to. Uh, 
sometime and some way, probably when we're in heaven, and we'll be just praising his glory all the more, understanding, oh, we don't, we, at the time, we had no idea how or why that was happening, oh, Lord God, but we trust you that it's not random, it's not absurd, it's not meaningless, it's just, it's not, it's not random evil, we do not believe that any bad thing can happen to anybody at any time. We, we trust in the Lord. We rejoice and give thanks in everything. Okay, let's look at some more of this text in our remaining time together. Uh, where were we? Oh, we're talking about that balance between the mix between human work and God's work. And we're saved by the work of God. And he gives us faith as we trust in him. Um, yeah. Okay, we're, I think I'll move to the next part. I just want to just pick up the language of this text because it's so glorious. Uh, verse 13, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation. I just want to slow down there and think for a minute. The word of truth. Uh, what is that about? This beautiful reality of who God is. And he's given us the word. They heard the word preached through the apostles. And it is the word of truth. They were called to proclaim the word of truth. Not to, you know, ignore it. Not to explain it away. Not to be embarrassed about it. But to proclaim it. This is the truth. This is who God is. Um, Jesus said, this is one of my favorite verses. It's sanctify them in the truth, your word is truth. I just looked up a few instances of that word proclaim. Uh, this is from Exodus 33, 19. Exodus 33, 19 says, and he said, I will make all my goodness pass before you and will proclaim before you my name. Now, one of our last songs, we talked about Praising the name of God. And this word, and the, the text is, this is Saul, Exodus 33, 19. And will proclaim before you my name. And then it says in English, the Lord. And really in Hebrew, it's one word. It, the word Yahweh. We think that's the way it's pronounced. It's the name of God. I will proclaim before you my name, which is Yahweh. And this is his, uh, the name of God. It, it means he is self-existing. It's from the Hebrew verb to be. Uh, he's the God who is. He's the God who is the creator. He's the God who is the covenant-making God. We can trust him. He is Yahweh. We praise Yahweh at all times. And, and God is proclaiming his name. Uh, and he says, continue in Exodus 33, 19, And I will be gracious to whom I will be gracious. And will show mercy on whom I will show mercy. This is God. I am God. I have chosen some to salvation. I will be gracious to them. And I will have mercy on those. Here's uh, another one. Psalm 22, 31. It says, They shall come and proclaim his righteousness to a people yet unborn. For he has done it. That he has done it. 
And, and here's a, kind of an expansion of that. And this is Psalm 71, verse 17 through 18. O God, from my youth you have taught me, and I still proclaim your won- wondrous deeds. So even to old age and to gray hairs, O God, do not forsake me until I proclaim your might to another generation, your power to all those to come. You know, that is our role in life, to proclaim the glory of God to all those who are to come. And his prayer is, Lord, just keep me here long enough that I can proclaim your mighty name to another generation, to my grandkids and maybe even beyond. And, and then finally, let's look at this last phrase of the gospel of your salvation. Let's close with this, the gospel of your salvation. Again, the, the text in Ephesians uh, puts it this way. Um, in him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. So what are we talking about when we use the word gospel and the gospel of your salvation? What are we being saved from? Why Gospel means good news. Why is it good news? Well, the gospel of your salvation is this basic idea that God has very good news for us. Naturally, we're born, the Bible says, we're children of wrath. We're headed for judgment. We have all sinned and become uh, in our lives morally in debt to God. Morally in debt. We ha- we're sinners and we we're s- full of sin. And we need help. We need intervention. It's a debt we cannot pay ourselves except eternally in torment. As horrible as that sounds. The gospel is the very good news that Christ died for our sins. And whoever believes in him, what's the, what is the famous verse? It's John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish. See, if we don't believe in Jesus, if we don't trust in him completely, we're we're headed for that, to perish, to to be forsaken, to be away from God for eternity, to suffer for our sins because we have not received Jesus Christ as our Savior. So the gospel of our salvation is just that. It's good news. Christ died for you so that if you believe in him, you won't perish. You won't suffer uh, the effects that you deserve on your own sin. He will take it for you. you And you come to faith, you believe this, you hear the word of truth. This is the word of truth. God exists. He created you. And we have all rebelled against him. And he provided a way of salvation through Jesus Christ. This is the word of truth. This is the truth. It's bigger than me. It's bigger than you. It doesn't exist because I've asserted it several times. <laughs> it, 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 it exists. This is true. You will face it one day. And, and face it now. Come to faith in Jesus Christ. I beg you. So finally, I just close with this kind of response. How, how should we respond to this? First of all, I think the obvious thing is hear and believe. Hear and believe. Believe this. Put your faith in God 
in his salvation provided through Jesus Christ. Uh, don't wait. Life is very uncertain. We do not know. Like I was, you know, joking about putting that on my tombstone. And a dear family told me that they actually had put that on the tombstone of their, their, just their very young child. Life is uncertain. So believe today. Uh, today is the day you can come to faith in Christ. And secondly, I'd say, do not redefine God according to your understanding. Uh, I've tried, I'm trying very hard to be completely honest with what this text says. I'm not teaching some outside systematic theology that came from some man. No, this is what the, this verse, that's what this says. I'm telling you, <laughs> this is the truth. Now, many times you'll go and you'll hear a sermon that the whole bulk of the sermon is telling you that that's not what this means. And, and you should just look at it and say, but, but, but wait a minute, that's what it says. Why should I listen to a whole bulk of the sermon that's telling me that what it says is so obvious that that's not true? Because a whole lot of bad teaching goes on particularly ar around this thing. And I'm not saying that this is about me. I'm just saying this is about the truth of God's word. That's what you have to deal with. <laughs> you don't have to deal with me. Uh, you may not like me at all. I don't blame you. I understand that. <laughs> but that doesn't change the truth. So I say do not redefine God. You're making an idol, uh, a, a God that you like better. Do not redefine God according to your understanding. And then finally, it's a more positive note. Celebrate. Celebrate God's work through us. God is working through us. Uh, his sovereign will and the fact that he gave us faith and we believe this and we're sealed by the Holy Spirit and we know the truth of God. It's a great cause for celebration. Obey the command. Rejoice in the Lord always. If you're a believer, your life should be characterized by this weird sense of joy. Do you hear me? Was that loud enough? <laughs> so many believers have a weird sense of being morose. And that's rebellion. That's self-centeredness. You're just being self-centered. Drop it. Rejoice in the Lord. <laughs> and all God's people said, amen. Father, thanks for this word. I'm struggling with trying to understand it and struggling with trying to communicate it. But I'm so thankful that you are different and bigger and better. And we trust you, O oh Lord God, all the time. Commit ourselves to you. Give us strength, O oh Lord, to do these things that I've suggested, to hear and believe, and to not redefine you, but to allow you to define yourself according to the actual word that you've given us. And then finally, help us just to celebrate who you are in the daily warp and the woof of our own lives when we don't understand, uh, Lord, when times when it's difficult and challenging, help us to trust you, get, fill us with faith and confidence in you. Oh, Lord, we pray, we beg you for this strength. Through Jesus, amen.